Welcome, everyone, to episode 60 of the DC Comics News uh, podcast, where we talk all things DC, uh, TV streaming, movies, comics, and any other bit of news that might pop up. I'm your host, Brad Flicky, and is the always wonderful Seth Singleton. Say hello, Seth. Hey, everybody. Okay, so first up, uh, in our list of stories this week is something that kind of broke the internet in the nerd world, and that is news that uh, Dan DiDio has uh, been let go from DC. Uh, to me, this came as a bit of a shock, uh, simply because I think that right now DC is in a real golden age with what they're doing with their characters, I think that they're pretty fearless in uh, just not being afraid to try new things. And, um, you know, I, I just hope that they can maintain that momentum with whoever takes his place. That would be a shame. Um, on the flip side of that, we had talked so much about delays on this podcast over the past, you know, few, few months. So, it seems like that may have had something to do with it. So uh, if, if that can be fixed, then maybe that's that's a positive that can come out of it. But I, I just don't want the stories uh, to suffer. Uh, so, Seth, what do you think? Hard not to agree with so much you were just saying there, Brad. I mean, it's really a challenge because we have had plenty of discussions about the delays which have really impinged what could have been some really monumental storylines this year and despite them still were like reverberating stories i mean for all the delays i still think shazam did a wonderful thing and it it still provided a great story for all the you know distractions um you know doomsday clock for all the delays, still did some pretty amazing stuff. And it looks like we were setting up for even more with the whole Generation Zero thing, which would have been a really good wrap-up to some of the confusion that I felt since back with the New 52 launch, which, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, I have all the collected editions of uh, the 52 and the backstories, and I like the concept about seeing so many great characters starting out fresh and new, but then to have it sort of stumble and then have to do the rebirth and take this long for us to get to a kind of corrective action, it, it's been a, a challenge because now you want to feel like things are writing themselves, and then you point out so well, Brad, that we're on the the breadth or that we're in the midst of this great golden age opportunity where all the DC stuff that we want to see happen seems to be happening, whether it's in movies, comics, or animation, that now I'm like, yeah, okay, so, you know, according to the stories that we were reading over, it looks like Jim Lee takes the lead, but is he the person who's been, you know, responsible for some of this good or a great deal of the good that's been coming out? Or does he have whatever it takes that you need in order to keep this thing going? I, I'm really kind of curious because I'm not sure that Didio was responsible for it all. And if he was, well, then, OK, that's a good reason for him to go. But the announcement that he left didn't didn't point to any reason for what the decision making was. And I get 
they're a big company. Sometimes you don't talk about those kind of things. It's not polite or it's just not done. But what his successor is going to be capable of is going to be a question. We're going to have to wait some time until it's actually answered. You know, uh, <laughs> I think you brought up a lot of really good points. And unfortunately, they lead to a lot of great questions that only time is really going to answer. I just hope that the answers are something we can live with. And this is a decision we won't look back on and go, man, remember how good it was? Remember when it was good? <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm a California kid. I, I love the Golden State Warriors. And then I saw them get dismantled after a couple seasons. And you're just like, man, remember when they were a good team? Mm-hmm. And fan, fans are going to stay loyal. And I get that. But when you see the numbers and you see certain facts, it's hard to argue with the change that's occurred. I just don't want that to happen with DC, given what you're talking about and the great time that we're experiencing. Yeah, and, you know, we're, I'm not a businessman, so I don't know if these delays were really a financial strain on the company. You know, uh, that could be something to consider, too. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me to come to this from any point that's not, as a fan yeah uh and i I think that i mean obviously this is still a developing story so i'm sure that we'll have more to say on this as more facts and things that come in uh come into light for sure but uh you know the future dc is going to be very interesting i suppose and you're absolutely right with the new uh the new generations thing that they were launching you know it's just Oh, man, I just I just don't know. I guess what I guess we'll see as as more news comes out. And uh, jumping into movie news, uh, we did get a little more uh, pictures from the Batman and the Batman costume that uh, that did leak this week. Uh, Seth, what was your take on these? I'm really interested now. I mean, the the first time we saw that video sort of preview that we were talking about last time around, I was just sort of reading into how much was being hidden in the light and the shadow, you know, how much about it was being obscured from us and the, the bits that we could sort of piece together. This becomes a different scenario altogether when you've got the character on scene in full regalia, um, clearly as a point seems to point out in the story that this is potentially a stunt double and uh and that it appears to be kind of like a tactical military special command uh armored assault sort of style uh not costume yet i guess it would just be fighting armor or uh Something along those lines. I was intrigued by the fact that I saw some stories that were pointing to the design of the bat cycle that he's riding. I I was intrigued also because we finally get a chance to see the ears. And I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that, because that was something of a bit of a discussion topic. But we can see ears in this one. (laughs) What height they are. I'm not trying to do any inches, metrics or anything else to determine how. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really overall I- intrigued because, um, I-, I like some of the things that people have been pointing at, whether it's Batman year zero, I'm sorry, Batman zero year, uh, or the idea that there's this sort of very, you know, again, sort of tactical feel to it that for the most part he's thinking about 
functionality less about the impression of you know what the sort of batman mythos will become so that sort of feeds into the things that we've been talking about with year two um i could blabber on for a bit but you mentioned you've got opinions and maybe even some theories in there brad where are we my friend tell me more I don't know about theories, but man, those ears, I just I don't like them. I don't want to be the fashion guy, but man, I just, uh, they're just not big enough. There's just something about them that I don't like. I, I did go <laughs> like, you know, I can't darn it. Um, I, I can't help, though, to agree and kind of like the idea of it being a tactical suit. It does. It looks like really armored and it, it, it does look um I don't want to use the word practical, but it looks in a way maybe realistic, like it would be a realistic suit to go in to actually fight crime. It does look very armored and protective, and I do like that. Uh, you know, I do get an overall feel for it that it's like an early phase of Batman's career, and I, I maybe it's the ears, but it just seems like it's something that he is starting uh, to like coalesce and, and kind of come up with the concept of what Batman's going to be. And um, even though I don't like the ears, I, I do have to say that, that these images kind of did intrigue me even more for what this, uh, what the movie's going to be. So in that sense, I really liked it, but those ears, uh, not so much, not so much. Well, there it is. Faluki Fashions has spoken, my friends. If you've been paying attention, you know this is the authority when it comes to what does and doesn't work for your superhero attire. And clearly, the bat ears are not, well, Brad's cup of tea. Or at least he appreciates the fact that they're an early version and will eventually be addressed, I'm guessing. Yeah. You're going to be okay with that, Brad? Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) <laughs> you know hey make me happy okay <laughs> um, I, uh, any other notes that you took from this um one other thing i wanted to get your opinion on what do you think about those arm gauntlets which it, it almost looks like he's got like crossbow arrows or bolts in there but i'm curious what the tactical approach would be did you have a, th- a thought yeah I, I i like those too and that's kind of one thing that jumped out at me about the whole tacticalness of it they looked heavy it looked intimidating, you know, um, and usually the bat suit is more streamlined and, and sleek. And this is kind of like getting down to the nitty gritty and ready to fight. Um, so I kind of I kind of liked it. I kind of liked the gauntlets. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this is just me reading into too much that people have been talking about, but I had a little Huntress vibe off of them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it felt like there should be a crossbow handy. And it would be interesting if that turns out to be one of the early weapons in this. And that's, you know, something that he finds works, precision. But that eventually, you know, it transitions into the grappling. Or is this an early version of a grappling? That could be an intriguing pr- approach. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'm curious, too, to see if they've got that. I think you brought up something interesting, too. How do you describe this tactical, utilitarian um built for need so what are the needs that we'll see him applying these to do they have more than one function like you know what i mean it'd be cool if they've got like something you clip onto the wire you fire a grappling hook you can fight a guy hand to hand with it you can climb walls with it and use it as like spikes between the bricks i don't know i'm i'm really intrigued so i'm glad to hear your thoughts on it as well it, it lets me know like yeah what are those all about man what yeah, you got I mean, on there? Oh, cool i'm curious it's kind of <laughs> 
I think we on this podcast, we're going to have fun with this movie because I think every week we're going to have at least some bit of news on this, uh, on the Batman. And it's going to be fun to listen back, you know, once it does come out to see how, <laughs> what we were right about and what we were wrong about. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just going to be, it's going to be fun. Yeah. How close did we get? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll be curious. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> And moving on to TV and streaming news, uh, we got word that Batman Ninja is going to get a live action stage uh, adaptation in Japan. Uh, what did you think about this? I think the hardest thing about this is how does it fit into our three categories? You know, everybody knows we kind of start out with some movie news and then we move into, you know, TV streaming and things like where do you put the live action anime stage adaptation of an anime feature like Batman? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm impressed that, you know, hey, man, well done. Because I think dropping in TV streaming is about as close as you can get with it. It could have fallen into other just as easily. And I would have been like, meh, gotcha. You know, um, overall, I thought this was a really fun story. I mean, Batman Ninja, I, I've got this friend on Facebook, if, if you ever end up following me. Look for my friend Gogo. His name's Gogo. Um, that's his first name. Uh, his last name, I think, is uh, Castaneda. And he's not going to mind me giving him this shout, because he will tell you he is an unabashed, well-proclaimed Batman fan. He was the one who was, like, really kind of bugging me, like, dude, what's this Tom King thing that's going to happen that's supposed to change Batman? I'm hearing all kinds of crazy theories. I don't know what's happening. And every once in a while, he'll drop me a message. So uh, I'm reminded of him because when this came out, he would bug me like on a weekly basis. Have you seen Batman Ninja? This would just like pop up on my wall feed. Have you seen Batman Ninja? And this was right before DC Universe had launched. So I was going to order it. And I was looking for a deal and this and that. So I finally got it. And I remember I messaged him and I'm like, I got it. And he's like, finally. I can I can relax now. Like I, I know. <laughs> and I know for a lot of people this was a big deal. Like they wanted to share it with people. It it did things with Batman that you went, No. And then you went, Oh, but so cool. So I mean they couldn't, but so cool. And seeing that as a live action just sounds like a, a great time. Um I went to the to the website. I clearly cannot read much of the information on there, and I, I couldn't really interpret a lot of it. So now I have to turn it over to you, my friend. It's going to be showing from October 10th to December 31st. Will you be getting a ticket? Do you oh. care if you can't understand what's happening? Oh, I wish. I wish I could get a ticket. That would be reason to go to Japan alone. Um, <laughs> and that's, that is an, an impressive runtime, I think, from October all the way to December. That's uh, it, it seems like I'm not a theater guy, but it seems like that's they must be pretty confident that they can go ahead and keep it there for that long, um, which is cool. And and I just I love it because it just shows the universal appeal of Batman beyond cultures. Just there's just something about that character that people just can't get enough of. And it's just it's it's cool to see all the ways that uh they can adapt it they can tell stories but i mean it's just it's it's really a cool thing and i would love to see it and the story seems very fitting for a japanese uh, adaptation like a live action thing i could totally see it uh as a theater thing i just yeah it's just it's such a cool concept and it would be great if it did well enough to 
tour and travel over to America at some point. That would be that would be amazing. So I think it would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also intrigued because, you know, Japan's got that interesting history with its own version of Batman. Right. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. Bat Dash Man. And yep. his, his whole other mythos and mythology that goes with that character, how that could be tied into this production or if it was able to make it across to the U.S., how that could be brought to play. There's a rich history there that, that they're clearly aware of and mining. And yeah, like you said, Brad, I'm not a theater guy either, but that sounds like a pretty good runtime. I mean, mm-hmm. for an initial, you know, you if... If you got faith in something, I don't know if you go for that long, but these guys, they clearly have a lot of faith in this. And that, that's a that's an uh, encouraging, if not enterprising thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And uh, moving on, it looks like we got some news about all the DC Comics projects that are uh, in development at the um, DC Max streaming services. Uh, we got uh, Green Lantern, Doom Patrol Season 2, uh, Aquaman, King of Atlantis, uh, DC Superhero High, uh, DC Strange Adventures, and DMZ. So what was your take on this? Um, I think this is a huge story. Um, you know, they're letting us know that it'll be out in May. Uh, it's going to have HBO, Warner Brothers, Cartoon Network, and TNT. That's big. $14.99. Um, I'm really intrigued. And... I like the idea of the stuff that we're going to see on there. I'm still, I feel like I glanced through this story a bit quick. So I'm curious if you saw anything connecting how this is going to be, you know, bridged for anybody from the DC Universe app or if it will. Um, But I mean, clearly Green Lantern, that's going to be like a huge thing that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I'm curious to see what more we're going to find out as we build up. I mean, you know, it's only a couple of months away now. These are things we should start hearing more about. Doom Patrol Season 2, I, I feel like because of our exposure to the first season on DC Universe that, you know, overall I've got a good understanding of, of what I'm going to see with that. But some of these other ones, you know, we were talking, I feel like, a couple of weeks back just about the, the Aquaman King of Atlantis and how this is going to be a really interesting um, animated series, three parts, and how it's going to focus on sort of like that transition role from being the outsider mainlander to king and who he's going to rely on, who we'll get to meet. Um, DC Superhero High sounds like just a great time. Um, I've loved some of the stuff that they've done with things like DC Superhero Girls. Uh, I love the messages. Uh, I love being able to talk with my uh, my sister and her husband about you know how the girls are really into it, positive messages. And then Strange Adventures, man. Like, <laughs> You know, we've already got so much hype and anticipation for the upcoming comic book. Uh, this seems like a no-brainer to tie in and doing it in the HBO, you know, manner. We, we've got a lot to look forward to. We've already talked about DMZ, so I could start rambling again. But, Brad, you can always just, you know, give me what you got and yeah, save us they all. Are, yeah, they're still trying to figure out what they want to do as far as how to integrate services between DC Universe and, and the HBO Max. And that's the thing, man. That price point is pretty high. And that's the thing that makes me nervous. Um, I, Considering the fact that things like Apple TV and Disney Plus and, and DC Universe itself are all under $10. So they're going to have to really make it worth it. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll admit, though, that 
these shows are something that does make it worth it to me. Um, <laughs> so I probably will end up getting it. But it's just, man, that's, that's all things considered, that's that's pretty expensive because I think that you're it, it's going to be you're going to be hard pressed to find anybody out there right now who just has one streaming service. I think that there's enough appeal that everybody at least has one or you know at least two that they use whether it's hulu and netflix or you know what it is so that that field is becoming more and more crowded Um, but moving on to the shows one thing that jumped out at me is the superhero high because it says it's a half hour comedy series but it doesn't say anything about it being animated so are they going to try to it's going to be is it going to be like a live action sitcom is it going to try to be like a buffy and and something like that because that would be interesting so i'm curious to know a little bit more about that um the aquaman thing i'm excited for because it's i think it's going to be a good lead up to uh to the movie uh, and it'll give some good hints about what to expect there in the movie so i think that'll be that'll be a fun series uh doom patrol season two seems like it's an obvious fit for the um service because i think that as good as titans and and the other shows on dc universe are that it was doom patrol that got people talking the most so that seems to make sense that they would want to um have that reach as many people as as possible uh and i've always been a big fan of dmc so i'm really excited about that the cast and the people involved seem uh, really great, so I'm really excited about that. I mean, honestly, even if they just said we're just having DMZ series, I'd probably still want to get the streaming service. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the 15 that. bucks wouldn't be enough, huh? <laughs> well, it might be. It might to push be. you away. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I think that there's definitely some some good stuff that we're going to be seeing from it. And I, you know. Uh, I'm also really curious about what the launch lineup is going to be. Um, I think they're going to have to bring out some kind of big gun, and I hope that's DC related. Uh, DC Plus had the Mandalorian. Uh, you know, um, Apple TV had the um, the oh, shoot, what's it called? The talk show show, um, morning show. Is what it's right. Called, with all those big names, so I think they're going to have to really. Um, bring something big on that launch. So it'd be interesting to see what what that will be. From what I can tell, though, these DC shows, they're not far along enough in the production that it could be any of these, except for maybe Doom Patrol. Um, So, so, uh, so we'll see. And with that, we'll take a little bit of a break uh, and pay some bills. So uh, hold on and we'll be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News. Here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores 
when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. And welcome back to the... 60th episode of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Flickie, and with me is Seth Singleton. And we are going to move on to where this culture all came from, comics. Uh, We uh, got news uh, that uh, DC and IDW are going to team up for a Sandman lock and key crossover. Seth, what do you think about this? I think this is such a great thing. I <laughs> I love the idea of, of this pairing and matching up. I mean, if there's one thing that you can really sort of give acknowledgement to, it's who some of the rising talents in both DC and IDW have been recently. Um, I mean, Joe Hill has been making an amazing charge forward with his uh, Hill House comic series i mean every one of those at some point has ended up on the spinner rack everyone has ended up being a book where i'm like okay how do i convince non-comic people to give this a chance because it's just so amazing and it's everything outside of what you would expect from comics right now especially from what you've been seeing in television and movies except maybe like swamp thing or something like that um and then when it comes to Gabriel Rodriguez, um, you know, talking about Lock and Key, talking about uh, Neil Gaiman, Sandman, and the idea of, of blending these ideas together, it's a really smart move. I've, you know, I think this points back to some of those golden age moments you were talking about that we're in right now with DC. It feels like they can do almost nothing wrong. Um, combining all of this together seems like a really smart move, and. Some of the stuff IDW has been doing recently, uh, I've got a couple of their books that I'm thinking to myself, I'm I'm really curious to see where these talents could go behind a, a bigger house like DC. So I'm I'm encouraged by this collaboration. I, I want to see these characters together. Now, you and Steve, who sadly can't be with us because uh, somehow through the magic of radio, I gave him the cold that I had. So now he's the one who's sick. Um, but you and he have such a storied history with Sandman Universe. And look for a story from Kelly Jane. You're going to want to keep an eye out for this story that she's going to have coming out soon, in which they're both referenced in. Um, but it's your storied uh, connection to Sandman Universe that really intrigues me. Brad, what, what's your take on this? And I'm curious to hear what Steve will add as well at some point. Oh, man. You would think that my jaw would hit the floor when I saw this because, uh, I mean... Sandman, I think, and I've said this before, is one of the best pieces of literature that's come out of the 20th century. Um, and I'm not, and I don't say that lightly. I think it was really that incredible. Uh, Neil Gaiman is just incredible. And Stephen King is probably one of the people that's had the most influence on my life outside of my family. So Joe Hill is his son, and you can see that influence in his work. 
So I admire both Lock and Key and uh, Sandman so much. Uh, but these crossovers, I just don't know because it's it's hard for me to envision how the different mythologies of both universes and both worlds are going to intertwine. I'm sure it can be great, and I'll definitely read it. But I, it's just these crossovers don't get me so excited, and they never have. But man, this that's interesting. I'm say. curious about that. Did you get a chance to read like uh, any of the other like Black Hammer and Justice League? Or? Yes. See, the Black Hammer and Justice League, I really liked. Um, okay. So I'm not saying that I won't like it or I won't read it. I probably I, there's probably no way I could possibly stay away from this. Um, I, I just <laughs> think that um, it's it's there's it, it's got a lot to live up to. I think from where both properties have been and you know the pedigree and everything like that, it's got a lot to live up to. But you know I, you know you were talking about the creative teams, and I think that if anybody can do it, it can be them. So I'm definitely intrigued. I'm just not over the moon as you might think that i would be. okay but yeah uh definitely for sure it's something that um i'm gonna look forward to and i do agree with you too that um it makes sense like it's it, it's a good idea um yeah you know for sure so yeah yeah we will see um i'm curious too like uh what you think about say the black hammer justice league example that would work you know what the strengths are of something like that that we can hope for in something or that they could take with them into something like this same universe project we're talking about. Well, and I'm going to go back to creative teams. Cause I think one thing that I liked about it is I'm, I'm a very big fan of Jeff Lemire yeah. and, 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 and that's, that's it in a nutshell. Um, he's just so good that uh, I'd, I'd read his grocery list if he, uh, if he printed it, you know, <laughs> he's so, the reason I was reading inferior five recently. Um, and yeah. I love the concept, but uh, with the creative teams like, you know, Jeff Lemire and, uh, you know, now we're talking about Joe Chill, the thing you start wondering is, well, what can't they do? Like, can't they just be amazing all the way through? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the creative teams behind these books do make it hard to screw up, but it's just going to have to really stand up from stand out from the pack, I think, um, to really impress me considering where it came from. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, definitely something I'm going to keep my eyes on. (laughs) They can do it, but the work's in it for them, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. That's a good way to sum it up. (laughs) And uh, Dynamite, uh, moving on, Dynamite is paying homage to uh, Jim Lee with some variant covers from their comics. What was your take on this? Um, I love the idea of the homage. Right. Like, uh, you know, I mean, OK, so who's made a bigger name in comics over the past 30, 40 years uh, as far as like what we associate with big changes in you know the whole genre and who now is the head of D.C. Like <laughs> Jim Lee's really made his mark. So I'm impressed with this idea that Dynamite's like, hey, you know what, man? Um, propers. And in fact, we're just going to go ahead and, and jump right in and say these these covers are completely set to, you know, point out all of the great things that you've done, all of the great ways that we want to celebrate some of your work. Um, you know, the Captain America 700 splash page from X-Men 268, All-Star Batman and Robin. Like, I, I love the approaches these take. And there's a couple of these really great little images that they shared along. 
And, you know, some of these characters are so recognizable, like Red Sonia, where you're just like, yeah, dude. But seeing them in these poses and with these great sort of takes that you feel like as soon as you, I mean, the Vampirella Red Sonia one, I was like, wait a minute. I totally yeah, that know was my favorite one, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and sort of flashing back on that kind of stuff, you know, and remembering the way that that he really sort of defined an image for people that when you put other characters in it, you still go, yeah, remember when Jim Lee did that? You know what I mean? You see the new version, but it makes you think about the old one. That's kind of a huge thing. But also, I love this idea of IDW just saying, yeah, man, um, we know who you work for and we still think you're great. And we're going to celebrate you because artists don't have boundary lines. I mean, that's the way I'm taking it at the moment because I really like the idea. How about you? Yeah, I, that's something that I picked up on, too. I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's so cool that there isn't that kind of fighting and uh, small mindedness that they can say, hey, you're just a great artist and we want to pay tribute to you. We don't care if you work with a competitor. I mean, it's just. Yeah. And that's. That kind of thing is always something I loved about comics in general, is that it, it did seem more of building people up instead of tearing them down. And this is a great example. And um, and I just I, I love Jim Lee's art. Uh, you know, in fact, one of the books that I recently picked up was The Art of Jim Lee, Volume 1, uh, which I'm just having a lot of fun with. And just seeing these, these tributes, it just, it just reminds me what a – what an impression that he has left throughout his career. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's definitely one of the best artists working now, and he definitely deserves, definitely deserves tributes and homages like this for sure. So, you know, good for him. Uh, yeah, you know, um, my wife got me into surfing a long time ago when we first met, pushed me into my first wave. And, and it's kind of funny finding out about that culture. Do you know who Kelly Slater is? Yeah, I've heard the name, yeah. Yeah, so he's like a big deal in the surfing community, and he's done this thing where he's won like 11 world surfing championships total. I don't think anyone's ever come close. I think the most anybody ever strung together was like two or three, maybe five. So he's like head and shoulders above anybody else. And whenever he does something, it's almost like the response is now just like, well, yeah, he's Kelly Slater. Like, of course he's going to do that, and of course it's going to be amazing. And I kind of feel like Jim Lee's taken on this international appeal where you know him no matter what kind of comics you're into. There's something about Jim Lee that says defining, era defining. You yes, know? exactly. And also, yeah. I, I love that this article pointed out that this is the guy who's done, in in their opinion, like, hey, this is the guy who's done the definitive. Batman, Cyclops, boom. Like, talk about two more iconic characters? Okay, go ahead. Give it a shot. But... We're, this is what one of the things we're basing it on. And and those are two characters that you know no matter where you stand in comics. <laughs> and moving along, uh, we also got news that DC is going to release Catwoman and Joker masks to help celebrate their uh, 80 years of Batman villainy. What was your take on this? What a cool concept, man. I mean – I. <laughs> When I heard you talking about this story, I was just like, really? I wonder which one they're going to go with. And that's when I realized that I wasn't very smart because all I had to do was look at the, the images and see that they don't have to pick one and you don't have to pick one. Look at all these great masks, man. There's so many great takes. You know, there's the classic with the purple hood. Uh, there's Catwoman with the, uh, the really cool, sleek, um, kind of futuristic 
maybe 60s, 70s style with the big goggles, which I've seen recently. Um, the more sort of Michelle Pfeiffer sort of take from Batman Returns. Um, and then what is clearly like a, a, a grinning, mischievous, mischievous uh, animated style. And then the Joker ones. Oh, man. From the clown. I always, always love that line. I think it was like Robin at one point was talking about Joker. He's like, yeah, even though even those periods where he just seemed like a big giant clown where, you know, you've got this idea of this guy who's, you know, just having a bit of fun at it. Right. And then he turns into this darker version. And as you look through these masks, man, that um, death in the family uh, or death of the family, I mean, one with the face and a couple of other all the way down to the end of it. it it's a really great collection for whatever your take is. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. Which one would you pick, my friend? If you had to go between the Catwoman and the Joker, which would be your picks? Oh, you know, I'm looking at these. And I, with the Catwoman, I would probably go with the Michelle Pfeiffer looking one. Okay. And with the Joker, um, man... I almost want to say that, like, that classic old first one there, the look with the long jaw. Right. But, man, these are really cool, and it's a really cool idea. And and you, you nailed it when you said you didn't have to pick one. They had all – because there are so many different looks for these characters, and it's so cool that they included more than one. And I just – I love that idea. It's just interesting to see – how the characters have changed and, you know, just the different kind of incarnations. Like, I love that the animated series was included because uh, I think that that was probably an introduction to Batman for a lot of lot of fans that are still buying the comics. So I love that that's included. And, yeah, that uh, Death of the Family is, is kind of a modern, iconic look for the Joker. Um, so I was kind of glad to see that they, as, as frightening as it is, they included that, too. Um, just another example about how uh, cool and flexible these DC characters are, and yeah, it's just a really cool, uh, really cool concept for sure. So yeah, I just think that that's a, it was a really neat idea. And now uh, we have some um, collectibles know? news. Um, we have some DC direct news. Um, and the C Collectibles is reverting back to their legacy name, DC Direct Reveals. Uh, what was your take on this? Yeah, so I was really intrigued by this idea. I mean, I feel like there's something of a recognition when you know that something was working and you want to go back and point it out, you know, and sort of say like, hey, this was our roots and this is what we're going back to. So I, I like the fact that the uh, creative director, Jim Fletcher, makes this sort of statement about, you know, our name lets our fans know that we've got the unparalleled access. Uh, I love that there's like a statement behind it. Um, I also like that, you know, there's a recognition that this came from something, that it's something that they feel stems from the success of the black and white statues, whether it was Batman or uh, the Harley Quinn, red, white, and black. Um, and that this year they're going to be focusing on a line of the Joker, kind of a revamped, you know, setup, and that we'll have... In a really interesting selection, um, I love, I really loved the uh, Superman Flash. Um, and you're going to have to catch me up, Brett. Were you just at a toy thing recently? Can you give us a little bit of right. fill-in on some of this and maybe, like, tie that into, you know? 
I am attending More. Toy Fair. I am attending Toy Fair. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, I'll have a little. I don't have a lot to say about it right now. Um, to a degree, they put a little bit of embargo on some stuff, and um, okay. I I went uh, yesterday. Uh, so we're, so that was on Saturday. We're recording this on a Sunday. Wasn't able to go today, but I'm going to spend some more time there tomorrow. So I will uh, have more to report um, on this uh, probably next week and, and uh, probably on uh, on the, the website. Um, but, yeah, the DC Direct stuff is – it's cool. I'm trying to um, set up a kind of like a guided tour of some of this stuff. So um, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, these um, these designs are cool. I mean, the DC Direct booth over there is just really incredible. And um, and and looking at these pictures and seeing these, it's, it's once again, I'm going to say it's like it's just you're reminded how great these characters are and how they can be reinterpreted and the different stories that have been told with them over, over the years. And just, it's just, it's incredible. And I love that they're kind of leaving no stone unturned every generation, uh, you know, it is, you know, and like you're saying that Superman flash one is really cool too. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I just think these are, these are going to make fans really happy. And I love some of the Joker stuff. I love the Joker holding his head, kind of like a the Killing Joke cover, uh, almost. And yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you're stuff, a toy yeah. collector, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. If you're a toy collector um, and you're a DC fan, you have got some good stuff coming your way uh, over the next, uh, you know, over the next year. Now, without breaking the embargo, have you seen some of these ones that are in here while you were there? Can you not so confirm? much? Okay. Um, you know, um, this is my second year going, and last year um, it, it was kind of similar setup. Some of the same statues and things were used, so um, not as much as I would have liked. Um, these these pictures, though, um, that are that are now circulating around the web are um definitely your best intro to it i think for sure um okay yeah I'm, yeah i mean i'm intrigued overall just because looking through this there's so many different ones we could dive into whether it's the cover girls yeah. the black and white yeah. um i was also sort of curious about the whole fact that uh you know the deceased seems to have really caught fire there seems to be like a a, a willingness to like hey <laughs> Let's let's be aware of the fact that we can do a lot of cool takes on characters. There's a lot of figures in here. I mean, like close to ten that are all, uh, you know, deceased versions of famous characters that you know. Um, and and I felt like that seemed to get a lot of play in here. You know, Wallace, the vinyl or cover girls or things like that all had a, a fair number. That that seemed like one of the bigger chunks. Um, Kind of an interesting take, yeah. yeah. It's a newer idea, but I guess they're enjoying the popularity. Yeah, and I and from what I can tell, it's just that it was kind of like a fan demand thing. It's like that's kind of one of the things that they were. We want this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and uh, talking about Toy Fair in a broader sense, a lot of DC stuff is about Wonder Woman 1984, which makes sense. That's kind of DC's biggest thing coming out this year you know movie wise so mm -hmm. there was a lot of wonder woman 1984 stuff 
uh, mm-hmm. a lot of her in the in the in the armor and things like that. So yeah, wow. Wonder Woman fans are gonna have a good year for just you know if you if you like collecting Wonder Woman stuff, you're gonna have a good year. Hey, one curious question about that because I remember I worked with this guy and back when Avengers Endgame was coming out, he was using and following stories about how models of the toys were revealing clues about how the plot line would maybe present itself for that movie. And I'm curious, did did you see anything in Wonder no. Woman that you okay, curious. No, okay. no, um no clues. No clues. Um, overall, uh, that's the funny thing about toy fairs. I find it kind of secretive <laughs> in a way um, <laughs> because they don't, you know, they don't necessarily like certain things getting out. And, you know, a lot of the booths are kind of behind walls that you have to uh, kind of set up to walk through things like the DC direct was not. Um, you could still walk through it. Um, so uh, they are, you know, pretty tight lipped about things like that. So any toys that they might have that would reveal clues weren't really out to be seen you're not going to find those <laughs> right i mean they might be you know they're going to get made but they weren't on display gotcha okay yeah so all right and with that we're going to uh wrap up another episode of the dc comics news uh, podcast um dc comics news is now on all major podcast platforms uh apple podcast spotify Studio. Google Play. So please head over, subscribe, and uh, rate and review. And you can follow us on social media Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube at DC Comics News. And be sure to check out the Spinner Rack uh, hosted by uh, my uh, my podcast partner here, Seth Singleton. And I'm the Knight, which is hosted by uh, Steve J. Ray, who unfortunately couldn't be on this episode. But they're all right here, part of the DC Comics News podcast network. And uh, before we go, Seth, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Well, if you're looking for me on things like Twitter, the name One More Singleton is how you'll find me there. If you're looking for things that I write about related to comics, I recommend going to DC Comics News, where you can find my reviews featured there every once in a while, maybe a different form of writing. But when it comes to anything else, just type my name, Seth Singleton, and the word story or storyteller, and then pick a platform that comes up that identifies with you and send me a message that's going to be the best way and also i'm not going away without saying you need guys need to be aware brad flicky flicky's fashions the podcast it's coming it's happening soon i'm not going to stop promoting it in the meantime there is a, a visible public presence of brad that's available brad where can the people find you my friend uh, you can find me writing news and reviews at dc comics news you can follow me at uh, flicky b1 on twitter and uh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> so with that, that wraps up another news-packed episode of the podcast. And we'd like to remind you to read more comics. Boom. <laughs>